Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode uh, of Down in the Valley, brought to you by the beautiful game network, Natural Beauty Spa, Icarus FC, and Roughneck Scarves. To see our podcast and other USL podcasts and articles, be sure to check out their website at bgn.fm. You can also check out this podcast on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcasts. For those of you that are listening through the podcast audio, uh, we go live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash down in the valley. Also, we want to give a obviously a huge uh, shout out to all of you who are tuning in right now. We know that it is a very difficult moment at this moment with everything that's going on around the world. And we hope to bring you a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of information regarding your, uh, y'all's fa- uh, everybody's favorite uh, USL team in the Rio Grande Valley. Obviously, talking about my RGB, RGBFC Toros. Uh, we have a really great show lined up tonight. No, we don't have a we don't have a uh, a guest interview uh, this week. We didn't have one last week. Um, decided to take a, a week off uh, for personal reasons. Uh, but uh, today we are, we are back uh, to talk more about uh, the latest news coming out of uh, the USL and RGVFC. Uh, and with that, uh, we have on the show tonight, as we have for the last couple of uh, episodes, we have uh, Ray Silva of South Texas Border Sports. Ray, how have you been doing? on across uh, the world of society, yet here we are receiving uh, tidbits and news of the USL and its structure for the upcoming season. It's, I mean, it's chaotic right now. It's very chaotic. I seem like everything is like kind of the, it's like when you're baking and you have no idea what you're doing, so you're just putting in like ingredients just to hopefully that you'll it'll something will come up. What well, seems like 2020 has been like that. It's just putting in one uh, like disaster after after another, uh, just there to create chaos, and it all blows up in your face, you know. So, like I said, we want to give you all a, kind of like a little break um, as far as see. I don't even, I don't even know about that because today. One of the topics that we are going to be talking about is uh, the surge, uh, and I'm not obviously not talking about the Houston Dynamo uh, supporters group, uh, who I uh, uh, have a lot of respect and, and love and love for. So a huge shout out to those at, at the surge here, at the Houston Dynamo. But the surge of the um, COVID-19 cases in the Rio Grande Valley and, of course, uh, Texas uh, in general. Um, but we have a lot of topics that we will be covering. And I really appreciate I really appreciate um, any feedback from you guys uh, on the uh, uh, on the YouTube chat. Want to give a huge shout out uh, to uh, Harry uh, for 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 coming on and and listening to us. Um, and so, if you guys are listening to this right now, be sure to go ahead and uh, and uh, share this uh, podcast, share this uh, live stream with all of your friends on uh on social media i want to give a huge shout out to santos cisneros santos how are you doing um i appreciate you all coming in and so here are the topics that we're going to be talking about and uh honestly i 
would like to hear what uh, Ray has thoughts on all of these. Jacob will be coming in in a couple of minutes. He's running a little bit late, uh, but hey, we should be fine. Uh, but so basically, we're going to be talking about um, the return to play precautions agreement that the USL Championship had with the USLPA. We're going to talk about uh, local COVID-19 news and how that will impact uh, a potential return to play by RGBFC, uh, whether that's going to deal with fans or no fans up in the stands. We're also going to be talking about, as well, uh, the return to play competition structure that was announced uh, today by the USL Championship and uh, the pending uh, announcements that will be happening both uh, tomorrow and on Friday uh, that will finish out the... Um, the list of announcements for return to play made by the uh, the USL Championship. Uh, so first things first, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the return to play precautions agreement. So uh, a couple of days ago, on the 18th uh, to be exact, so almost a week from from to, uh, from today, um, Jeff Reuter uh, posted in the uh, in the Athletic. Uh, the article mentioning that the USL and the USLPA have reached an agreement um, in order to finalize and officialize the return to play uh, of the USL championship, hopefully by uh, July 11th, right? Um, so one of the more interesting aspects of this was, number one, you know, the fact that they went from one extreme to another. And I know Jeff Reuter talked about it yesterday at the USL show. If you guys haven't uh, heard that podcast, be sure to check it out. Uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting information uh, about that directly from Jeff Reuter himself. Uh, but one of the interesting things that did talk about was uh, they were amazed at how quick they were able to reach an agreement, having started from like extreme sides of the spectrum when it came to negotiations. And so... Going to this agreement, uh, the article says that the whole agreement is 48 pages long with dealing with uh, travel procedures, uh, testing, how locker room is going to work, and stadium uh, uh, operations. Uh, now, some of the more interesting um, things worth mentioning from this agreement, um, and I'm going to go directly into what we as fans would uh would deal dealing with with us fans so basically when it came to having uh fans on the on the stadium um obviously it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on what the local government uh requires or or restricts um where it comes to fan attendance and matches uh, so basically in the case of if matches are going to be held with a uh, fans present, um, social distancing uh, procedures must be followed, you know, the six foot distance. Um, there were a couple of different ideas on how to achieve, how to achieve that, making sure that people were not bunched up together. Uh, one of them, um, mentioned that, you know, Fans would be required to enter through gate openings that are closest to their seats. Um, another one actually said, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll try something similar to what airlines do when boarding a plane. And that is, you know, having 
zo individual zones uh, being allowed in at, at certain times. So like, let's say for example, uh, section 101 uh, through 103, y'all can go first. Uh, y'all can line up uh, at the entrance at six. All right, y'all go in. 103 to 105. Uh, once 101 to 103 finish uh, coming in, then 103 through 105 can go in. And again, you know, kind of stacked up. That was one of the ideas uh, that was uh, brought up uh, when it came to negotiations. Um, obviously, fans would be would be required uh, to wear masks uh, in areas where social distancing is not possible. Um, also, we've got uh, giveaways would be generally prohibited unless they are in furtherance of fan safety, such as face masks or hand sanitizer. Remember we talked about that last episode? Yes. Uh, any giveaway is subject to USL approval, right? Uh, concessions would be in individually wrapped packages. Um, fans would be asked to return to their seat before opening and eating or drinking their purchase. So no nibbles uh, from the concession stand all the way to the uh, to your seat. Uh, bathroom procedure. It says teams will be asked to replace manually operated gadgets like flusher sinks and soap dispensers with touchless alternatives. In the men's room, teams will be asked to remove urinals, which are not six feet away from another. Uh, portable toilets will be required to have sanitize, hand sanitizer in and out of the vessel, as well as tissues and towels for opening and closing doors. After matches, teams will display imagery and audio instruction to gradually aggress with social distancing practices in mind. Matches to and from match, uh, marches to and from matches will not be allowed. Now, also, they did mention that the that the USL would prefer that obviously no signing of autographs of any kind. Um, they will also be asking the fans to not chant, which I found that surprising and is one of the things like, who is going to enforce that? Is it even feasibly possible to enforce chan uh, fans to not chant and support the team if fans are available? So, Ray, first of all, what are your thoughts on all of this? I think it's a very good uh, first set of steps that the league is uh, trying to put in play. I like it because... H-E-B Park being that it is a first-class facility, it can easily um, – it has the infrastructure to handle basically everything that the USL uh, requires. Uh, one of the things that either I have personally failed to have seen there is the uh, – the way they have a setup over at Bird Ogden Arena where if you order food through like an application, there'll be a server uh, taking it to you uh, just to minimize the contact. Uh, that's one thing I, I either, either A, have personally not seen or it's just gone 
gone as a complete oversight in my end. That is just one of those things that if it comes to play at HEB Park, guess what? We'll ha I'll have to add that app to minimize uh, contact uh, for these um, workers to bring us up uh, food at the press box in mm. case we want to order some. Um, of course, there is restrooms for upstairs in, in the media area in which you and I would cover the games from. Um, I, I kind of like a lot of these in initiatives that the USL is handling now about the chance stuff. Woof. And it's just putting it nicely. I mean, say someone in one-on-one starts a chant and it just keeps going across the stadium. Good luck with that. I mean, at the end, here's my here's my issue with that is, and I know Jeff Reuter uh, pointed it out. Is HEB Park going to hire more staff to make sure that fans are enchanting? Once fans chant, are how are you going to stop them? Um, I mean, one of the biggest things is if they're going to be wearing a mask, you should still be able to. I mean, it won't be as loud, but you should still be able to chant with a mask on because technically most of the bigger particles like saliva and all of that, that is going to stay contained within the mask. So I don't see an issue. Like if everybody's wearing a mask already, uh, then why should they... Uh, why should there be an issue with chanting if everybody's going to be wearing a mask? Now, if to chant, people are removing their masks, then that's a whole different issue. I don't think ch chanting should be, uh, should be disallowed. Just as long as people are wearing a mask, we should be fine. Now, Santos asks, is banging a drum chanting? Uh, no. You can bang a drum all you want. Obviously, you got to make sure you got to take proper procedures to make sure your hands are sanitized and things like that. Don't, you know, don't share the drum all around uh, to minimize the spread. But, Banging a drum sh should should not be chanting. I think the biggest issue they're having is when it comes to chanting or singing is when the person uses their vocal cords, you know, to to make a chant or sing. If you're using instruments, um, I see think the, the thing with trumpets. I think just banging those drums might be suffice at this point. Yeah, and Harry has a point. Good luck stopping the stopping the chanting or the singing. Yeah, you're not, you're not gonna stop it. You're not gonna stop it. So at at any at, at least allow the chants, allow allow the uh, the singing, but make sure you gotta wear the mask at least. You know, that's gonna minimize most of the spread of saliva, but you know, uh, that may contain a virus if that person is infected who should not be out and about anyway, but I digress, especially uh, the bigger issue is, you know, when they're asymptomatic, right? Uh, Santos, at least get uh, a, a beat going without actually chanting. And yeah, I was actually going to get to that point, Santos. Trumpets, trombones, and all, that, all those wind instruments, they do use spit, so I don't think that they'll be allowed because you're actually, you know, when you got the spit valve full of spit, 
you have to empty it somehow and most of the time you empty it on the floor and we don't want that because that's gonna that that is actually a a uh a health um i don't want to say violation but it, it leaves uh the the at least it at least it open for somebody to get infected right so i don't i don't think trumpets trombones vuvuzelas will be allowed i think drums should be fine um it's just a it's just a matter of getting used to these kind of things no actually first of all the usl needs to number one specifically mention why they don't want singing or chanting uh, and for what uh, and exactly for what reasons and why even with a mask they won't allow it and if it happens that okay we'll let them if as long as they're wearing them they're wearing a mask that's fine and just specify okay this is what's what supporter groups are allowed to bring this is what supporter groups are not allowed to bring but i can assure you it'll probably be percussion instruments will be allowed when instruments will not be allowed uh that's that's my that's my um prediction uh on that um now other things that, that were mentioned uh in this agreement have to do with traveling uh by by the teams and uh, as well as hospitality uh when it comes to traveling teams uh so a couple of the things that were talked about there is that the biggest difference is the USL is not going with a hub style tournament. We know where that's heading when it comes to Orlando, um, but that's a completely different uh, topic, uh, right, MLS? Uh, um, but basically, so when it comes to testing, they will be required to take a PCR, a polymerase chain reaction test, three days prior to the resumption of contact training, which I believe the training moratorium was actually lifted today, right? And I know RGV did take, uh, I think it was yesterday, I, I saw that Rob Coronado uh, posted an Instagram story when they were getting tested for COVID-19. You know, the one with the big Q-tip that goes like through your nose, like through the back over here, the painful one. Yeah, that's the one they took, right? That's the PCR. Uh, so they were tested. Uh, once training resumes, players will take PCR tests every two weeks. PCR and antibody tests will be mandatory three days before any game, including scrimmages. One league's, once league games resume, PCR tests will become weekly occurrences. Uh, before training, players and staff will have their temperature screened and take daily questionnaires. Any person with a temperature over 100.4 Fahrenheit will be immediately sent home. Uh, when it comes to... Um, they have a limit, so each team has a limit of 40 covered persons. Uh, which is either a player including rostered academy players or players on loan from other teams or a staff member who may come in contact with players like coaches, communication staff, and sporting executives. If they want to add a new covered person during the season, let's say they get a new signing, they hire somebody new, or there's a trialist, you know, that person needs to go through the whole testing process and then wait for those results before beginning their involvement. And I'm assuming somebody has to be replaced or something like that because... Um, I believe the limit, the limit is 40, uh, when it comes to traveling, um, so they will not allow, uh, players, uh, when, it, when they're staying at, at hotels, each individual, uh, player must have their own hotel room unless they're rooming with the, with their actual roommate where they, where they live, you know, originally. So, uh, you have that. Um, 
you've got any travel under 500 miles will be required to be done via via the bus. So obviously, uh, the travel from um, the RGV to San Antonio, the RGV to Austin. I'm not sure how long El Paso is. El Paso is quite the distance. More than 500, I'm assuming? Yes. So they would have to use an airplane, right? Yeah. Uh, so traveling members must wear a mask while on or around the bus for the duration, including while getting their luggage. Buses will be cleaned before and after each trip. Drivers will have their temperature checked before each trip and will be required to wear masks from traveling. Um, when teams are flying, if they have to fly, traveling personnel will be asked to not travel in the airport together unless they're roommates. So everybody's got to be separate. Uh, traveling personnel must keep their mask on from the moment they leave their home to the moment they're in the hotel room, including the duration of the flight. They may not take food and drink offered on the flight and will only be able to purchase prepackaged grab-and-go items in the airport. Um, and that's pretty much it when it comes to uh, um, the main important aspects when it comes to travel and lodging um, that, that, was in, that was in this, in this agreement. Uh, oh, and I think I also saw something about even in the unless they're roommates, even in the bus, they have to maintain some sort of social distancing. And even and if that means having and having to order an extra bus to accommodate that social distancing, then teams will have to uh, handle that uh, additional cost as well. So a lot of lot of regulations and uh, uh, rules and regulations that are going to be taking place that I believe will also come with consequences if players or staff do not um, do not follow these rules and guidelines uh, throughout the duration. You don't want uh, you don't want an Orlando Pride uh, situation happening before or during the U the USL uh, return to play. So. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, I I believe the team does have two buses to accommodate all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I think the Toro should be fine in that regard. Um, you know, but the uh, the bus trips to El Paso and the bus trip to El Paso it's, it would not be feasible. So they would have to uh, find a uh, flight. Um However, the um, the rest of the travel schedule, whoa, boy, I, I just can't wait to see the the schedule. Mm. So overall, I feel like we that it's a very. I think they pretty much handled almost all of the bases. If I'm if I wanna, if I want to be honest, when it comes to this agreement, I mean the fact that it's forty eight or yeah, right? I said forty eight pages long. Yep. Yep, forty-eight. It means they it means they covered a lot, and this is just a Cliff Notes version uh, from uh, Jeff uh, Reuter. Imagine what's actually on that document. How in in depth that 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 must be. So the USL, I think, actually has done a decent job uh, with that aspect, with that planning to to get the USL uh, back on their feet for their twenty twenty season. Um, unless I'm missing something else. In regards to that, do you have any any other thoughts on this before we move on? No, it just seems that the USL has uh, carefully thought this out. You know, mm -hmm. it seems like they're doing a very good, uh, good job instead of having everyone play 
at a uh, bubble like they are in Orlando with the MLS or NWSL in Utah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. Now, I mean, it looks good in theory. Let's see how it actually, how they actually execute it once uh, July eleventh uh, uh, comes uh, into the calendar. In fact, I will predict this much. I think July eleventh will be on the road first. We'll see what happens. It should be announced. Uh, the The first couple of games should be announced soon. So we'll have to we'll have to be on the lookout uh, for that, for that news from the USL championship or from RGVFC. Um, now there are, there have been some, I know recently we they were talking about Phoenix rising, having four players coming out positive uh, before COVID-19. Uh, so there are teams that are um, actually mentioning and announcing that they have had uh, infected players uh, within within their roster, so hopefully all of, all of that is kept to a to a minimum. Uh, but the biggest the biggest thing is you know if this these number of cases with players continues to rise, hopefully it doesn't. But if it continues to rise, the USL is probably gonna have to cut their losses and say you know what it's too risky to continue uh, yeah. going on with this. I mean it, I I believe that player safety should go. Uh, should be a higher priority than uh, money, uh, monetary losses uh, that uh, team owners are going to have to endure, and because of this, uh, because of this pandemic, right, MLS? Yes, looking at you, MLS. <laughs> um, so moving on, because July eleventh. Oh yeah, it, it sounds so fine and dandy. Soccer's finally coming back. Yes. All right. Texas announced. All right. Stadiums, you can have 50% capacity uh, for stadiums or out uh, or outdoor concerts. Also, one one other thing before you really jump into that. All right. Jacob, if you're listening, this goes out to you. During the USL podcast show, Jeff Reuter did mention this little tidbit. Limited media access to the games jump on to your next topic now what are you trying to say that there's limited that there will be limited uh media availability for the games for the home games yeah but i'm uh, and this kind of ties into what i'm going with right now that'll probably be for um municipalities that don't have as big of a uh, every problem with with the coronavirus than the RGV has at this moment. True, but, right? Yeah. And it all goes back. It all goes back as well to the, the amount of fans at the at the stadium. We're gonna go with what the each municipality says, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, if a certain city or a certain state allows fifty percent capacity, twenty five. I know uh louisville city um they were expecting at the lynn family stadium they're expecting a 50 percent capacity uh for their games once the usl starts we had that in we had that in texas but guess what the cases are going up and up and up and up and it's like even in the valley it's like ridiculous i saw a graph that i should have uh passed on and saved it to my computer not on my phone um, but 
there is some data regarding the coronavirus positive cases in the Rio Grande Valley region. And actually, it's a comparison with, with multiple cities and municipalities in the state of Texas uh, regarding the change of hospitalizations for COVID-19 from May 22nd to June 22nd. Let's go with the USL teams. Let's go with the USL teams, right? So we got yeah. Austin. Austin, right? Yes. They jumped 583% in that one month from just 30 cases or 30 uh, hospital patients to 205 patients. San Antonio jumped 426% from 90 patients to 473 patients. Uh, El Paso from 116 cases or, or patients that, that are hospitalized, they went down to 110 with a negative 5%. Lower Rio Grande Valley, and which means Cameron County, Hidalgo County, Willacy, and Stark County. It went from 30 patients, hospitalized patients, to 253. That is a 743% increase. Now, if you, don't if you don't believe me, I actually have another piece of another chart here. And this is taken directly from the, um, from the Hidalgo County Coronavirus Update da uh, Dashboard, which I will link in the chat right now if you guys want to see it for yourselves. Um, Santos says, uh, before going on, any teams that might run into financial problems to the point of ending the team, including us? Mm, I know there are some. I know some MLS2 teams say that they would not want to participate with this return of play. Uh, but I have not heard anything about the Toros. I think the Toros so far will be fine. But with the whole thing of not now having this whole issue about not having fans, that might be something to ask. Uh, or hopefully... We can get some sort of information about the state of the team financial-wise. But here's the chart that I want to show you. All right, This is the most up-to-date ch chart for Hidalgo County. Like I said, this is from the, this is from the, the COVID-19 um, dashboard that Hidalgo County actually uh, set live in the last couple of days. I want to I want you to focus on this chart right here. And let me see if I can actually make this big, bigger and zoom into it. Um, make this bigger, right? Okay. So, two key dates, or one key date right here. Um, May 1st, was when the state was reopened officially, right? Take a look at the amount of cases of hospitalizations, I mean, specifically hospitalizations, before May 1st. We reached a peak, right? This was when we had the curfews, 
this was where we where stores were uh, restaurants bars you know all of that was closed right we were in quarantine we peaked a little bit and then it went back down we flattened the curve but our lovely governor and our politicians from the state said, screw it, we're opening it all. We're opening it back up. This is an infringement of our rights. Blah, 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 blah. And they got what they wanted. May 1st, reopening of everything. People started going out to the, to the, people started going out to the beaches. People started partying. People started doing this and doing that, going to restaurants, going to stores. Here's another thing. They're like, yeah, you local municipalities, you have no right to uh, uh, find people for not wearing masks. The only people who, who are supposed to take care of making sure people are masked, which was recommended, but not, but not recommended, but not required to wear masks around everywhere. Right? Hope everything's following me. Yeah. Guess what's happening? We go into June. The hospitalizations are starting to rise exponentially. We are at 25 deaths, 1,344 active cases of COVID-19 in Hidalgo County, hospitalized 163. You want to know what the limit is? You want to know what the limit of hospitalizations is for, for Hidalgo County? 250 we are reaching a point where we are going to oversaturate our health system in the re in hidalgo county this has become a crucial moment for the rio grande valley when it comes to COVID 19. also it's in one of the things that you're just uh i i, I it's not that you're making an omission on your end uh, Doesn't include yes, it it includes COVID and non-COVID hospitalizations. Correct. I think it's is that what you're trying to mention? No, the fact that there's been more testing available. Okay, a lot of people didn't have access uh, pre-May, pre-June to these tests. Even I myself took the test. I came out negative because when this pandemic started hitting all over the place. It, like in big metropolitan areas, I woke up one morning in March, okay, which was the very beginning of the pandemic. I woke up to laryngitis, but I went to a clinic, which shall remain nameless, and they had a limited number of COVID testing available. I paid a fee to get COVID tested. Thankfully, it was negative. Now, you fast forward all the way up to now where testing is available just about everywhere, left and right. I think you kind of owe that number or that surge in COVID-19 cases due to the fact that there's been more testing available. 
I don't know if you follow me to to a certain. I know what you're trying to say, but I don't agree. I don't agree with it because of the fact that the it's because it's because of the symptoms, right? So yeah. for a while we've had so for a while we've had a decent number of testing sites, you know, available in the Rio Grande Valley. We've starting to had free free things, right, or free locations yes. for the for these testing sites. But you look at the dates where we're starting having those surges. We had the surge two weeks after Memorial Day. Now remember that incubation for this virus is from five to what is it like five to six days of incubation around there. Symptoms sometimes don't appear until like two weeks after infection, right? So you're starting to see a huge surge after Memorial Day where people are starting to go two weeks after after May 1st, starting to see a huge surge of that. I mean, it can't just be a coincidence that when people started going out with complete disregard of social sta- uh, uh, of social distancing, of the common decency of wearing a mask when going around and not going to hot to COVID nineteen hot spots, mm-hmm. that people the, it, it can't be coincidence that after them doing all of that, people started getting a lot more infected. Now I know that there is there is a statistic that disproves your point. I don't have it with me right now, but I was reading about it uh, in an article that there is a, it's a percentage that this that disproves that theory. Like oh well, it's just because we've been tested more. No, the fact the fact is here here's the thing, man. You have to also realize that a lot of people are getting tested because they're showing the symptoms, or because they're required by by, by workforces. Right. So, but most of the common people, they get tested because they have symptoms. A lot of the times, if you don't have symptoms, well, you're not going to get tested. You're going to, you're not going to want to get tested. Right. So if we're seeing a surge of people getting tested, either be, it's either because they have some sort of symptoms that make people think that it's coronavirus or if it's required by, uh, by, by, uh, by workforces. So, uh, hopefully, y'all are kind of understanding. It's a really great discussion, honestly. Like, I get, like, honestly, I understand what you're trying to say uh, wholeheartedly, right? That more testing equals more cases, right, Trump? But don't go the other way. It's like, oh, we have less cases or, or less testing, less cases. No, 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 no that's no, not, no, 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 no. I'm just poking fun. I'm just poking fun. It has nothing to do with no. you. It has nothing to do with you. I just, I just, it was just an opportunity to poke fun at, at him. Um, but I, I what understand I'm tra- your point, but yeah. it, even if these resources weren't available, do you, do you still think we would have a, a surge? Even if we didn't have, even if the Valley didn't have the, the resources that, uh, because we are, uh, because the Valley is, is such a low poverty I think it'd be worse. I think if we didn't have testing, I think it. I think it'd be worse. Exactly. So I, I kind of do think it, it. It kind of does play hand in glove that okay, because there is testing available, we are going to have cases available, whether people presented the symptoms or not. Because, say for example, I, being an independent guy, mm-hmm. uh, having no one to like employ me or or anything like that, if. If I had to like retake the test, yeah, why not? And we have a guest. <laughs> How's it going, Jacob? 
you, you came in right on time for for the uh, for mm-hmm. the for the discussion. Well, that's good. Hello, everybody. Hope y'all are doing well. Doing all right. Myself, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No crazy news, of course, especially in Texas. So. Yeah, I'm ready. So Santos, actually, uh, um, before we we get to your your opinion on, on this whole testing or the, these whole cases, because we're talking about how all of this this surge is going to affect the the return to play for RGV when it comes to having fans or not having fans. Uh, but Santos says, in my mom's case, she didn't have symptoms, but she was going to host a vacationing family. She went for a test and resulted positive before they stayed, which I admire your mom's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She, she took the initiative to go get herself tested for, for her sake and for that vacationing family's sake. I applaud her for that. That, that is great. But a lot of people, if they don't have symptoms, they think they don't have it. Even they might, even if they might be asymptomatic or even if I'm going to say this, I know of people that even when they've gone test, uh, get, got tested because they feel that they have the coronavirus, they were still out partying. They were still out visiting family and stuff like yeah. that. So cases are going to rise. Uh, cases are, are going are gonna to rise because of this whole opening thing, Right. Uh, regardless if they get tested or not if they don't get tested okay we don't know what's happening but let's be honest with more people getting uh, getting uh, interacting with each other in close proximity without masks or anything people are going to get infected so the number of cases they may not be identified but the number of infections is still going to rise because of all all of this uh idea of reopening the economy you know opening bars opening uh all, all of this stuff, opening, opening stadiums. So, Jacob, I don't know if you heard the, the, the previous couple of minutes uh, we were dis- that me and Ray were discussing, but what are your thoughts on all this? Oh, yeah, it, it's simple. Um, we, ex- or at least I expected this. We all know that, guess what? It's going to even get worse, too. We're, this isn't even supposed to be when the second surge is going to happen. The second surge is going to happen, guess what? Near August, October September, you know, so on around that time. No joke. Mm-hmm. That's when it's supposed to get even worse. Now, yes, let's be honest. Greg Abbott did big time jump the gun in reopening everything and going too quickly to 100% capacity for places. The big thing, of course, will is or close to 100% at least. The big thing is bars because bars are tiny, as we all know. And when you allow bars clubs to open up everybody wants to go and it's going to be a big crowd they can't the people who are there yes they chose it they can't do anything about it they can't necessarily you know wear a mask or stay six feet apart because there's not room for that Mm -hmm. it's basically a bar is basically just about your room right now and my room kind of combined that's some of these bars no joke south padre same deal and the big thing, of course, being, yeah, just those types of places. Then, on the other hand as well, you still have people saying this is not real. This is a big hoax from the government. Those crazies out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're still believing that this is fake, you are, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not great. You know, what he, you know what he means. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, and it's weird. 
Um, and then. Yeah. And you bring up bars, yeah. right? You mentioned bars. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Orlando Pride. They went out, to, those young players went out to a bar. I've got six players infected, four staff members, and now Orlando Pride will not be participating in the NWSL Challenge Cup because of all of this. Yeah, the young players. Yeah. Yeah, that whole, yeah. And then, of course, that whole team basically as well. So the likes of Garcia, the likes of, um, that's all I really know off of that team. Alex Morgan, is she going to play or was she going to even try to play? No. I no. don't think so because she's still. I know Sydney, I believe Sydney LaRue was going to play. Marta was going to play. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Ali Krieger as well. Krieger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Krieger. She was going to play as well. She was extremely disappointed. Everybody was extremely disappointed. Well, yeah, of course, uh, you finally get to play again, and then your, your little ones decide, let's mm-hmm. not stay at home. Let's not be smart and do this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's dumb. Yeah, then that gets to that point. Look, New York, they're barely opening back up. Mm-hmm. And they were, of course, the worst ones. Now, yeah, uh, yeah it, not necessarily that it's understandable, but, but yeah, it's understandable that they decided to just open up now. Everybody wanted it to be opened up a month ago, which, guess what? If you look at Texas a month ago, now yeah, they're the saying that Houston, and then it went up. <laughs> now that now you're saying that Houston might actually be the uh, hot spot of the U.S. Ba- basically, yeah, you got yourself your big cities. You got yourself the people who only think about themselves as well, who think Marais. nothing can hurt them. The young people as well, Inclu- technically including myself. I don't live up in Houston, though, but people around my age is what I'm trying to say. They think, okay, we can still go out and party. I've seen it on my social medias. I've seen it where they go out to bars, and it- it's dangerous. Like me right now, I could have it. And I don't really have any symptoms besides allergies, like seasonal allergy symptoms is all I basically would have. So it's just, it's things like that, that of course irk me. And now, like you said, yeah, moving on to the stadium and the sports part of all this stuff. But here doesn't look great. yeah, Yeah. And this is the reason why I brought up these stats. Oh, by the way, another quick piece of stat before we move on and this is because i'm specific we're going to talk about the stadium guess which city has the most cases uh po- most positive cases in hidalgo county i believe if i'm not mistaken because i did look at it not too long ago it is here in mccallan edinburgh ding, ding. edinburgh Ed- yeah, Edinburgh with 346 positive cases. McAllen is followed by McAllen with 309 and Mission with 309 as well. Yeah. Far with 300. So this metropolitan, the metropolitan area of McAllen is the hotspot in the Rio Grande in Hidalgo County for COVID-19, which makes sense. Is what I think what uh, Ray is going to be alluding to is that we, there's more opportunities to get tested in this, in this uh, metropolitan area than other than outside of the uh, than outside of it uh, here in the uh, there in the Rio Grande Valley. It's true. But where is the stadium located? In the Edinburgh region. 
Yes, and also no, considering it is technically Lopezville, and we could get all technical about that, where <laughs> Lopezville actually is. <laughs> You're trying to start something, aren't you, Jacob? <laughs> I mean, saying. the mayor of Edinburgh has done that forever, so I mean, what guess what? Know? Let me tell you something, mayor of Edinburgh. The stadiums were built for Hidalgo County and not for Edinburgh. They were there for a reason, funded by, guess what? McAllen and everyone around there. It's not yours. The Vipers won the championship, not for the city of McAllen, for the for the Hidalgo County, for the Valley. Same goes for why were the RGVFC Toros created? Same deal. When they went to the playoffs, they went to the playoffs to represent the RGV. <laughs> Ray, you wanted to say something. No, I, 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 no, I, I really don't anymore. I mean, uh, Jacob came in, he uh, took uh, spotlight, and also. I mean, he was. I mean, he wasn't here for for like the first half of the of the show. So. I, I know. <laughs> uh, raise your volume a little bit, uh, Ray. Um, so, the reason I brought up all of these stats and all of these rants. Uh, which, by the way, pardon me for the rants, as almost every week. But I'm pretty sure if you guys are long fans of the show, there's usually always a rant by either me or by Jacob. So nothing nothing uh, out of the ordinary, to be honest. But the reason I bring up all of these stats is because the last couple of days we've had, I believe it was Mission, uh, in, enacting mask requirements for the city of Mission. I'm not sure about McAllen, and I'm not sure about Edinburgh, specifically. Yeah, yeah Mission, it was... was the one that led off first, the initiative. Yeah, they did, and then all the Valley basically followed right after. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and so, and I'm not sure if that, if that went... To, I was reading the press release, and I don't think... The mask requirement is for the whole valley, correct me if I'm, or not the whole valley, but whole Hidalgo County. But correct me if I'm wrong, since you guys are over there um, and are a lot more closer uh, to the news over there. Um, but just today, Judge Richard Cortez of Hidalgo County, he is, he is, he announced that there's going to be a curfew again for all of Hidalgo County. Yeah, Jacob, you're a minor. So you get to stay at home at 10 p.m. I'm just kidding you. Uh, yes, there's a, there is a curfew uh, for minors beginning at 10 p.m. through 6 a.m. For adults, mm -hmm. it's 11. One hour more. <laughs> 11 p.m. through 5 a.m. So uh, I, I guess uh, that's kind of the uh, curfew that has been set in stone now. So, yeah, so for minors, oh, yeah, you said it. So it, it's 11. So for adults, it's 11 to 5 a.m., 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. For minors, it's from 10 to 6, from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, no mention of fines or anything like that, uh, mostly because our governor, Greg Abbott, is like you have no right to find people for not wearing a mask or not following all of this stuff. I believe it was yeah, more. you just have was, the right not to serve him. Yeah, you just have it's it, it falls the ability to enforce it all falls in local businesses 
-hmm. and like you mentioned and also it's just basically i believe it with with the masks in in mission they mentioned that it's uh it's you're going to be given a what is it? not a ticket that you have to pay a fine it's just pretty much a notice that you have to present yourself at the court and basically get a slap on the wrist uh just uh, to summarize it right mm -hmm. so you've got a curfew that is going to be established not sure of the date richard cortez did not mention a starting date for this curfew but be prepared it is going to happen for all of hidalgo county restriction of mass gatherings no more than 100 people in public in public yes that includes heb park which is a mass gathering So does this mean that we are not going to have any fans available or allowed at the stadium for all of the 2020 season? I say no fans. I say no fans at HEB Park. That's just my hunch. I, I say no fans, yes. As in, yeah, no fans will be allowed in the stadium, but I don't say for the whole 2020 season. It could get a stretch where it gets a little bit better and we start to see at most a 1,000 fans let in for one game, spread out, of course, throughout both sides of the stadium, something very basic like that. Mm -hmm. But that, of course, includes, I think, it, yeah, a 1,000 fans or a 1,000 people spectators basically plus media i think that would be the key thing so uh it's it's going to be something somewhere like that and i believe the 100 people will go for is what you got you will still most likely at hb park have to have for that first game or whatever security you're going to have 11 on 11 soccer with substitutes that will probably be five subs at you know, you'll you'll have your bench, mm -hmm. um, all of that, plus the coaches that are about three. So that 100 number, guess what? That adds up quickly. Plus, of course, you have the camera operators for ESPN. And then, of course, the two people doing the USL page. Easily adds up to 100 very quickly. Don't see media also going there until, of course, it gets slightly better to wear that curfew. Once again, we're not curfew, but just the mass gathering thing once again is lifted, which if I had to guess, Greg Abbott will make it a lot longer this time. If he's, if he's smart, if he thinks better, but like I said, don't know. I know the big thing, of course, is with the travel Traveling to certain places around the country, if you do go out of the state, it's like a two-week quarantine. Which we'll, t we'll, we'll touch up upon it a, a little bit later uh, once we talk about Texas in general. Um, but, so, no fans for you at all in 2020 for you, Ray, right? Correct. No fans just in the beginning for you, Jacob. Is that correct? Yeah. I was in Jacob's bandwagon before all of this happened. But now that things are as dire as they are right now, I'm going with, with what Ray said. No fans at all 2020. 
The biggest question is how much is that going to be a financial hit for Alonso Cantu and for uh, RGV AC Toros and for the Houston Dynamo? That is going to be the biggest issue. We know that some, uh, according to, I believe it was Jeff Reuter, also mentioned that there were some MLS2 teams that were thinking of not participating in this tournament because of that. Remember, the vote was 22 to 13. Just remember that. There's mm-hmm. 13 that said no. So... The bigger so the bigger issue here is I mean I understand financial troubles of owning an ML, or, or, or owning a division two team, but if you're going to be putting players and coaches and uh, staff in danger for the sake of having fans in the stadium, just go without just go without fans. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. I think your employees come uh, should come first rather than the money. Easily. Yeah. Um, so the bigger now another question that's brought up, and you brought it up right now when it comes to traveling. Now the good thing is we're doing a regionalized, uh, a regionalized tournament. We're going so the scheduling. All right. So with that, we've the way that the competition. Competition structure uh, was announced today by the USL Championship. We're going to have eight regionalized groups. So all 35 USL Championship uh, teams will be divided into eight regionalized groups. Which would all mean... Teams, all teams... Oh, go ahead, Ray. Which would probably mean 35 by 8. One group will end up with five teams. Actually, actually, and this is straight from the from the source, we will have five groups of four and three groups of five. Wow. I, I look. I'm going to go on a limb and say that the Eastern Conference are going to have the the groups with five teams, only because there's so much more clusters in the east coast mm-hmm. they can easily cluster fives than you would in the west coast i guess if anything the bigger the cluster would be uh the pacific for the west coast yeah that, that's what i would say that would be well, the five well, be... well to to elaborate on my point i think the east coast might have two groups of five yeah mm-hmm they're going to have two groups of five, and the West might only have one group of five. Which is what I mean, that that one group of five would yeah. be in the in the Pacific. Yes, which would be Tacoma. Tacoma, Denver Portland 2, two uh, of, Los Dos, Orange County SC. Uh, Sacramento. Ooh, Sacramento, yeah. That. But I feel, like you're miss- I feel like I'm missing a team. No, uh, Fresno's not involved. When is Monterey supposed to uh, get, get into the, the following year? Sa- San Diego? San Diego. I knew I was missing one. Yes, San Diego. San Diego loyal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the, these groups are going to be uh, spread or, or regionalized. 
Now, and then the bigger, and then the also more local question is, where is our, we know RGB is probably going to be bunched in with San Antonio and, uh, and, and, and Austin. I was going to say Alamo and Austin. So that's your, that's three right there. Now, the bigger question is, is El Paso, because I know I saw a lot of uh, fellow podcasters from the BGN post their um, their predictions. And most of them said that RGV would be with San Antonio, uh, Austin, Tulsa, and OKC. No. El Paso, El Paso would be uh, El Paso would be bunched in with with New Mexico, Phoenix, Colorado, and uh, and Las Vegas. Oh my. Well, um, I have yet to see Jeff Reuters, and this is what he said on the USL show, on their podcast, quote unquote. I've yet to show you guys the sausage finger map that I've tailored up for my fans to <laughs> see the, uh, for you to see yet. the geographic uh, <laughs> locations of the groups. But this would be my call. Being that we're going to be one of the groups with four teams, I say they're going to cluster all three, all four Texas teams into one group. I think that's the best thing. I think I think if the USL wants to continue to bang on the drum of Copa Tejas, which they've embraced, I think that the more sensible thing to do is is have all four Texas teams uh, in, in its own group, and that'll make Copa that'll make the group matches interesting. That'll also make Copa Tejas a lot more interesting. Why? Because you're talking about each individual team will be playing against each other three times, right? Yep. Only because an 11-hour, 28-minute drive from here to El Paso, though. To well, see, you say That's that, but flight. it could also, it could also, they could also go with uh, go by airplane, right? Airplane, it's limit. Uh, airplane flights are limited, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, which was the important factor of the regionalizing of groups. They wanted to scale down on the air flights, flights if yes. possible. So yeah, so I think that I think. Either tomorrow, so tomorrow, half of the groups will be announced by the USL, and Which then the other mean, half. I think the Eastern Conference might go first. Probably, because, yeah, probably because they have they have a little bit more, a uh, more to sort out, in my opinion. And I think no, 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 no. Because actually, they the have Western, more Actually, the Western Conference is going to be announced because the Western Conference. So, I've already posted. I'm. I just posted the uh, the graphic that that the USL posted regarding the bracket for the uh, for the playoffs, right? Yeah. So the Western Conference has groups A, B, C, and D. Oh, Eastern wow. Conference has E, F, G, and H. And the schedule that they posted uh, on their article on when they're going to make the announcement, they said that uh, A through D will be announced tomorrow. And mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, E through G or three e, e to H will be announced on Friday. You know, two p.m. You know, Eastern, I think. Well, yeah, something like that. The the West Coast tomorrow, East Coast Friday. But one of the things that I would love to see the USL do, just from a PR standpoint, 
do like a YouTube or Facebook live from from headquarters and announce it live just for like uh, giggles and such. The USL wants to gain PR points like that. They need to. They would need to open it up. Yeah. Because, they, yes, they've been taking a lot of flack recently. And I figured do a little bit of saving grace by doing it live. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, use those platforms and try to get more fan engagement that way. I think they should. But I want to go back real quick to the chat. Casanto says, if the EPL has no fans, why should we have fans? Here's, here's my biggest take on that. And this is coming from a guy that wants no fans. You cannot compare Bundesliga teams. You cannot compare Premier League teams. You can't even compare MLS teams even. With the amount of money that they bring in with merchandise, the amount of money they're bringing in with sponsorships, the amount of money that they're bringing in with, uh, uh, what else? What, what, am I, what am I missing here? You got sponsorship money. Oh, TV deals. TV, TV deals. revenue. Yeah, TV yeah. revenue. You can't compare that with, with, with the USL. With the USL, markets are very niche, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's not a lot of people that are buying merch. The TV deal isn't really that great. You know, compared to other to compared to other leagues, and uh, obvious obviously uh, as well, sponsorship deals tend to be a lot more local. Not a lot. Not every not every team in yeah. in the USL has a national brand uh, as their sponsor. I mean, mm-hmm. we have the Toros have not Nature Valley, which I don't even think it's really that much. General General Mills. You know. Oh, it's it's Nature Toyota. Uh, yeah, it's San Antonio has Toyota. And, and then uh, Fox Sports helps them out with the broadcasting. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's very few. Very, like, if you look at Las Vegas, if anything, Zappos is a national brand. But then you've got the sponsorship of a dealership. You got the sponsorship of the uh, the weed uh, dispensary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Rest in peace, Eric Winolda. RIP, man. I, I, I still can't get over that. That. Uh, Interview that, that you had with him after that uh, after that <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, repost, please. Yes, repost because that was just epic. You should have reposted. Uh, you know should have reposted it the day that the day that he got fired. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know what? I'll, I'll make a Facebook premiere out of that in my uh, media pages tomorrow. I'll do that. <laughs> do it, man. That was that was just epic. That was just epic. Like. How he had a huge meltdown right in front of you, <laughs> but you should have seen the uh, the question that another media colleague had for him. Oh no! And how he shot him down like quite quickly. Post it again, man. Post it again. But the whole point is, is that Division Two teams have a bigger priority to open up with fans. Because that's where they get most of their most of their income from, or the or the income that puts them into a sustain. In fact, I can't even say sustainable because most, if not all, of the MLS or, or division or USL championship teams lose money year after year. So that's the reason why play, uh, teams want fans in the stadium. It doesn't make any sense in a public health point of view, but in their 
money in their business point of view, it makes perfect sense to open it, open it up as much as allowed to bring in fans for that income. Because they, they'll be buying tickets, they'll be buying concessions, they'll be buying merch at the team store. Which leads to the question, what can we as fans do? Which is actually a good question to ask uh, Ron Patel, which I'm going to say right now, he uh, be once, this is the preview, once RGB and HGB Park officially announce what they're going to be doing for the, the return of play of 2020, we're gonna have Ron. Uh, we're, we're gonna have Ron. I'm gonna interview Ron. Ron Patel for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask: What can us fans do to help minimize the financial impact if fans are not allowed back into the stadium? What can we as fans do to minimize that impact? You know, whether it, whether it's buying more stuff, more merch from the team store. What can we do? I mean, what, what can we do? Uh, especially season ticket holders, you know, because they bought a season ticket, and they're not going to be getting they're not going to be getting the, their uh, their value of their season tickets. So that's another big question that has to be asked: Are are some of these season ticket holders going to be asking for refunds? Or are they going to be okay, uh, be credited for next season? You know, there's a lot of questions in regards to that of the financial, and it goes back, you know, the financial state of RGBFC. Can they bear this brunt due to the pandemic? Obviously, we don't want the team to to close down because of financial ruin. We don't want that. But we also don't want HEB Park to be a hotspot of COVID for the Rio Grande Valley. And guess what's going to happen? There's going to be more negative press against the team, against the stadium, against Alonso Cantu for even seeing all of this happen, still open up the stadium and getting people infected. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, it's all about it's all about public it's all a public relations balance. Right? Mm-hmm. And the way I see it, if people are gonna start blaming you, the stadium or you the team, for people getting infected, Lauren like Heaven forbid that a player gets infected. Exactly. The fault, the, the 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 bad press that the team and the organization is going to get from that. You don't want that. You don't want none of this, right? So I mean, we've already had one employee from HB Park already been uh, declared positive for COVID nineteen, which yeah. is why the which is why HB Park was closed down. And deeply disinfected, which is why they moved the blood drive from the HEB Park to Bear Doctor Arena. Yep. But the point is, is that right now, if we want to focus specifically in the Rio Grande Valley, it is too dangerous to open up the stadium. Mm-hmm. Whether it's 50% or 25% or 10%. One, because obviously the, 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 the county just said no more than 100 people. And at that point, it, it makes no financial sense to open the stadium just for, just for 100 people. Right? Because like you mentioned, Jacob, most of that 100, 100, uh, 100 person capacity is going to be taken by players, uh, coaches from both teams, Mm-hmm. Staff, 
So yeah. you're leaving your own room for fans. And anyway, right? See, yeah. I honestly think that you're going to see reduced traveling squads, in my opinion. Meaning that you, instead... Instead See, you say that, but I believe I believe that you still have the player or teams still need to have eighteen um, players yeah. on the field or not on the field, but like eleven, and then and then you're seven on on the bench, but they still have to report a twenty three man roster per, uh, before yeah. the games. Okay, you can still report your twenty three man, but just remember, like some of these other MLS two teams, like. Your Timbers 2, your Los Dos that wouldn't necessarily travel with their full 18. They would leave off two bodies and only bring in five subs. You might see that because it, it was always a, a normal occurrence when teams would come into HEB Park if you were part of a two-team like Swope Park Rangers or Sporting Kansas City 2 now. Mm-hmm. Um Tulsa did it last year, and they were an indie, an independent, an independent club. Yeah. Those, those have done it for many years. Even Orange County pulled it off uh, last season, and I'm looking at, t- at Timbers, too. So there's also that factor to consider as well. Yeah, and, and then you got to fa- – but you got to factor as well that th- for this season – Teams have a maximum of five substitutes, uh, five substitutes that they can make, and this is how it's gonna work, um, because they're doing they're doing this in Premier League too, right? So you have a maximum of five substitutions compared to three uh, that you usually have, right? And this is all coming in from the governing board of not just the USL but FIFA. This is this is a FIFA thing, right? So teams can make up to five substitutions. But you can only make three pauses during the run of play to make a substitution. One which might be a mandated hydration break like they're doing with the Premier League. So you're going to get one hydration break per half. So that's already one right there. No, that no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count for substitution uh, for substitution sakes? No, that's some... Yeah, if it's a mandated thing then that's going to be by the officials, by FIFA, by USL, by Premier League Press, whatever, if you do have that indeed for it. It's just like a regular hydration break that we've had before where it's above, you know, 85, I believe is the limit, something like that, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. The team gets a water break. The clock does continue to run, but of course then they add that on to the end of the end of the match. That's normal. That's most likely going to happen. That's going to not count towards anything. You're most likely going to have a sub. Hopefully what they do implement as well is, I believe, something that the Premier League did, which I just like this idea. Indeed, you can make a substitution at the half where it does not affect your go, team. I was going to go with that. Halftime substitutions do not count uh, as, a, as using a substitution pause during the run of play. So in theory, you can have... One sub, uh, three substitutions during the run of play. One of them would have to be more than a one player at a time, right? And you can actually have one in in the in the uh, at halftime. So you're talking about four times that you made a substitution, but because you made one at halftime, doesn't count as uh, uh, against you uh, as if it wasn't during the run of play. 
So that's the way it's going to work um, for substitutions for the 2020 season. Uh, like I said, eight regionalized groups, 16 games total per team. By the way, does include any matches that you have played up to this point before the pandemic started. That includes teams that played two times before this, before this forced break. Those two games will count for their 16 of this, uh, this season. RGV played one against Los Dos. We got 15 games left. So we've got 15 games left, left exactly. 12 games will be against teams within that group that you're selected to. And you can have four, and you're going to have four games that you're going to be playing against teams that are outside of that group. So that's your total of 16 games. That Los Dos match, that's going to count against that, uh, that, that, that four uh, games from outside of the group. Oh, um, that's good. Yes. So, and then the whole, the whole tournament, including playoffs, will end the first weekend of October. I'm going to go ahead and call a shot here. I'm assuming that when the schedule is released, we're going to play twice outside of our group games on the road and have one come in. And and the team that might visit us, I'm going to call it here, New Mexico. We're going to have the Ron Patel Bowl in the Rio Grande Valley. Nah. I mean, I see that because it's a close. I just see that it's a close proximity match in general, as in they're obviously they're close to El Paso, which means they're close to Texas in a general sense of things. That a flight, or yeah, at least a flight would be mm-hmm. no less or no more than basically like two and a half hours for a team so yeah i i I do see that indeed for one of them to be that and or two two of those games also one of the things that also came into mind uh while looking at these uh, at these group zonings um the aside from having all the texas teams uh together in one group both the oklahomas colorado and Real Monarchs might be another group. Thus leaving uh, New Mexico, Phoenix, and the both Nevada teams, Las Vegas and Reno, in another group. And then you have all of your Pacific corridors. That makes sense. But we'll see what happens. We'll see, what, we'll see what's announced tomorrow, uh, to be honest. At this point, it's only speculation. It's only predictions. But if we're going to focus on uh, on us, I think it, the the more sensible solution would be just keep the Texas teams in one group. Correct. Um, but like I said, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, another question that I do have regarding, and this is what I brought up, the regionalization. But for those games, or for those games where teams travel to New York or any of those states. So New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut issued a travel advisory uh, today that requires people arriving from states with high coronavirus rates to quarantine for 14 days. 
That includes states like Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, Utah, and Texas, which will begin tonight at midnight. Yep. Now the biggest things here, the biggest things here, more than likely it will be North Carolina with North Carolina FC. You're talking that you have to quarantine for 14 days. Obviously, I believe that USL will not is not going to schedule a team, a, a North Carolina, to play against uh, states from. Or I guess mostly, if anything, it's just the only one affected. The only team affected with this uh, travel ban would be um, New York Red Bulls too, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So I doubt that the USL have with this announcement is going to put North Carolina FC versus New York Red Bulls too. But that's another thing that, that need that, that came up today. That is kind of interesting that people from those uh, states that travel to these three states, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut would have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of questions and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Every episode we've had, we always leave more questions than answers. Hopefully something will come in the next couple of days that will answer most of our questions. And it seems like the more we dig through this, uh, and you guys are not going to let me lie, the more we dig through this, this bit of news, and I'm pretty sure that every other podcast in the BGN network that has talked about this yeah. leaves the same way. I'll really discover a lot more questions that, need, that, that hopefully we can get some answers to. So... Guys, am I forgetting anything that we need to discuss? Because we are, it's going to be 8.30. Uh, we're about yeah. eight, 8 till 8.30. Uh, and I think I pretty much covered so far the biggest things that have, that, that have happened uh, yeah. that, that need to be discussed. So just like, I, just like I said, so as soon as the official uh, announcement from Golden Grape Entertainment, RGV, HEB Park, it's done about what's going to happen for this return to play as far as fans are concerned. We'll make the official announcement on social media, and I'll go ahead and say it to you now. Uh, I will be interviewing Ron Patel. with, and So if you guys have any questions, once that announcement is made, once that press release is made, if there's any questions that you guys have regarding that, let me know in social media. And I will try to ask, uh, ask Ron to, to give us some more questions about, uh, about, uh, about the return to play uh, and how these local ordinances are going to be affecting HEB Park, uh, mm-hmm. and the and and of course the uh, what call it the financial um, strength of RGVFC and uh, Alonso Cantu, uh, aka Lone Star uh, LLC. So, Jacob, any final thoughts? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you touched up on it a little bit too. That yeah, we do leave here. It seems like with a lot more questions answered, and it's weird to, I guess, kind of luckily talk about that this thing is most likely going to start back up, considering every other minor league program in U.S. sports have officially, for at least one year, shut the doors and has canceled their seasons. We're talking G League, the minor leagues for MLB. All of them have been canceled those are of course the two major ones 
and we'll see about you know we'll we'll see what college football does here very shortly it seems like mm-hmm. they it's looking like they're going to have football whether fans in the stands or not but it's still you know it's, it's confusing that the NFL is the same way so yeah it, it's it's looking like that and yeah that's kind of why we have these questions more questions than answers because also this is a big contact sport and when you start to get into those contact sports and the travel and all that, when there's still bans going on, especially now, considering the major thing is, and this is big, with international travel ban, because I just got an alert on my phone not too long ago that said one of the uh, Formula Regional America, uh, which is the F3 United States uh, League, one of their cars from overseas. Yeah. They got told they cannot go to Mid-Ohio this weekend and compete. They got denied entry because of that. So, yeah, and I mean, it's a whole overseas thing, and it's this weekend and all that that fun stuff. So, yeah, this is life for now. We'll see what happens in the future. But, yeah, if we keep on this thing, it's going to be like that show last man on earth sounds like something that i have to watch then (laughs) that should be on my watch list yeah exactly uh fox and hulu i believe has it i'll check that out ray any final thoughts uh no i mean i just hope that if there if there is another two-week quarantine uh i mean i just hope that people in the real grand valley do listen and do learn from this because um, no one thought if the Valley thought that this thing was a joke, it is not, folks. It is not your mommy, daddy, take care of me at home virus. This thing is legit, ugly, serious. Mm-hmm. I can definitely agree with that. Stay safe. Wear your mask wherever you go. And just practice social distancing wherever you may go. I say 12 feet, not 6 feet. You can still catch it with 6 feet. Just add 6 more feet to that. All I'm going to say about that is quit your freaking conspiracy theories, guys. I've seen a lot of them. I, I, I've seen. I just recently saw a video from Florida. They were at a at a uh, board meet, a board member meeting, and this woman. Oh. And I don't. I, I, I don't so, know if you saw it, but it's like the yeah. girl was. This girl was saying something along like, saying that masks kill people. I'm like, so you think that masks kill people, and data doesn't data doesn't really reflect that but what data reflects that actually kills people you're like i don't care it makes no freaking sense also Where be careful we... yeah go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna see say yeah also be careful of what you watch on line as well with those because there's some people that decide to go to those meetings just to act crazy to get viral videos i mean <laughs> But it, it, like, like I said, it. it I the thing is like that. the thing is like I've seen a lot of people like say it with a like 
without cracking like without cracking a laugh that's how serious like they're serious about what they're they're saying where have where have we gone as a country where people are more willing to listen to a couple of guys with a with with a with a microphone in front of them yeah. than actual experts like actual healthcare experts yeah like it makes no sense but yep. oh my god it's like <sighs> I didn't want to bring the, I didn't want to bring that up, but it like it's just all connected at this point, like between what's uh-huh. happening in the country and here's the thing though. We want sports as much as you all do. Mm-hmm. You know, we want sports to come back and uh, like it was before the pandemic. But we but the more people refuse to follow orders, the more people refuse to wear a mask, the more people that refuse to social distance the more we delay a potential return. Look at New Zealand. New Zealand, zero cases for a long time already. They, they got rid of COVID-19 in, in New Zealand. They just have sports back up again at full capacity with fans. Why? They took the, they took the, the, the virus seriously. They flattened the curve. They got rid of it. Okay, but meanwhile, here in the United States, people think that wearing a mask is an infringement of your constitutional rights, which I call utter bullshit. Yep. And 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 refuse to follow orders, thinking that their individual rights are greater than the rights of the collective. Look where we're at now. We're. We still keep on delaying. We're now like the country. Um, I believe we're the country with the most cases, the most deaths uh, uh, of COVID nineteen. Yep. So take this seriously, guys. If we want soccer back, we need to take this seriously. Let's get let's let's kick some COVID ass. But it takes everybody's effort. If we all work together, we can have this done real quick. But if everybody's pulling at their own direction. Then don't complain when your favorite sports team is is shut down because they never played, and they shut down because of financial crisis because they never played with fans. So let's work together. Let's get let's get this done. We want the Toros back. We want to be back with with the HB Park. We want to go back to the stadium. And cover the team per, uh, in person. We want that. But if this continues to rise. Just like it is right now. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen in the near future. Yep. And what's going to happen. We're going to we're going to mess up our health healthcare system. Because we're going to be we're going to we're going to be straining it to the backs. Yep. So as we already are. So let's work together. And let's get let's get this done. Now next week. Like I said. We'll we'll, we'll not. Probably not be a, a live show. Cause it's going to be the interview with Ron Patel. But two weeks from now, oh, unless something major, uh, unless some major news happens, then then at that point we will be live. So be sure to follow our social media, just down down there, uh, Facebook down in the RGV, Twitter at down in the RGV, Instagram at down in the RGV as well. Follow us on our social media. Uh, that way uh, you will know for sure if we're going to be doing a live show or or not. Uh, like I said, it all depends on the news. 
Uh, be sure to check out, obviously, a huge thank you. And be sure to check out our sponsors, Natural Beauty Spa, uh, Beautiful Game Network, Icarus FC, and uh, Roughneck Scarves. Thank you for your support of, uh, of our podcast and, of course, uh, the Beautiful Game Network. By the way, huge shout out to Carson Merck, the new CEO of, uh, of uh, Beautiful Game Network as well. Congratulations uh, on, your new, on, your new, uh, on your new position. Uh, here's hoping we can, we can all work together to make the Beautiful Game Network, network uh, continue growing with USL uh, coverage uh, of each individual team. Um, obviously, where can they find you, uh, Jacob? Uh, Twitter, JakeBeyoung456, Instagram, JakeBeyoung99, and a Tip of Texas Sports Network on YouTube for racing content if you care about that stuff. If not, well, it's all good. It's okay, which, too. <laughs> which, by the way, I'm getting my, I'm getting my, uh, my steering wheel uh, set up tomorrow. It should arrive tomorrow. Oh, nice. So Learning and, and wait, let me just check the date real quick. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, two weeks from now, two Fridays from now, I should say, or even Thursdays if you pre-order it on Steam, F1 2020 will come out too. I'm looking forward. I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Ray, where can they find you at? Uh, Facebook on South Texas Border Sports. Uh, my podcast, Anchor.fm forward slash STBS, where you can find all seven of my episodes including a uh, pre-COVID chat or COVID chat with uh, Ron Patel, uh, Twitter at S-O-T-X-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-X. And and that's on my Twitter. Instagram, you can find me at the South Texas Border Sports as well. Be sure to check out his stuff. Uh, honestly, he's... He he like he's had some it may not be a uh, tour specific all the time but he has some really good uh, guests on his podcast with all of, uh with any kind of sport as long as it's pro i think you've had baseball you've had basketball obviously soccer with ron patel uh so uh, check out his podcast uh, podcast as well uh really really interesting dis- discussions that he he's had so far in the world of sports mm-hmm. um Yes, was Greg Luca, who's now in San Antonio, uh, who used to cover the Toros for the Monitor. So now he's covering the dreaded rival. Great. I mean, I mean, I mean, he. Got, I mean, at least he's he's getting paid, right? Yeah. Uh, but you, if you guys want to follow me, follow me. Which I uh, implore you not to follow me <laughs> if you want to keep your sanity. Um, but if you can follow me on Twitter at eochoa underscore eight on instagram i am under eochoa ditv8 uh and then on uh facebook i have a facebook page called edson javier ochoa where i usually post any articles that i write for mente futbolera for down in the valley uh and of course that's my journalistic quote unquote um page if you guys want to follow my work uh that i do for all these different uh, organizations, both in English and in Spanish. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully we'll see you all uh, next week. Take care. Be safe. Practice social distancing. Drink plenty of water. And I know it's been, I know Ray told me that it's been very uh, stormy the last couple of hours in the Rio Grande Valley. So I will say this. If you're out there or driving, 
and you see water on the road, turn around, don't drown. Uh, we'll see each other next week. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.